When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Making it worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here, we're queer. Uh. Meh. Textual healing. So drag is at a crossroads. Yes. Is this emotional for you, Alan? No, it's not at all. Uh, No, drag, drag, and specifically drag queens and drag queens participate, drag queens and kings. Drag kings. Participating in drag queen, drag story hour in general um, is coming under attack by groups like, you know, far right groups like Proud Boys and other things. And they've done some really shitty things like storming into a drag queen story hour (laughs) in California and yelling homophobic and transphobic remarks and promoting hate. uh, A waste of time. Which is really, really a waste of time. And then on top of that, you know, you have in Nevada, there was someone who was like carrying a gun or some or carrying a rifle. Yeah. Outside families at a drag story. So, I mean, it's this it's a yeah, that, that's going to help the kids. <laughs> yeah, right. Save, I even remember the, the one time yeah. I did because I agreed to do it once and I'll never do it again. Not because it was bad, just because a, I'm not a morning person and B, I you don't like kids. I don't really like kids that much. Yeah, right, like, right. I'm not I, I like them as small children when they can't talk. I just don't like them when they start talking. Yeah, you like them um, in a vacuum, right? Yeah, I want them to jump right to teens like that's Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. yeah, I get um, that. Anyway, I I did it. And even then, because I was doing it, there was like Proud Boy, like people putting in threats and stuff. So they had the whole police outside. Of oh, my God. I was there and I felt very important. Oh, but, my God. But at the same time, it was like one of those things where I was like, why does this matter? And and, and we know why it matters, because they're, they don't give a fuck about the actual drag happening with children they actually are not afraid of that at all it is literally what we've talked about on the podcast time and time again they use it as an example to prove a larger point that has nothing to do with drag or queer people it's just them trying the larger to, point is just gender uh, affirmation or no them just trying or? to be like look what they're doing they're they're having children yeah, yeah, yeah. be indoctrinated by these drag people so don't vote for them vote for trump or look like the things that don't matter when they don't want to focus on real issues. And there's a reason why we talked about this on a past episode, why drag story hours coming under attack shortly after the Uvalde shooting, because they didn't want to have a conversation about guns. And it's, a, it's again, tale as old as time. They use queer people and queer issues to co-opt a narrative to distract from other things they don't want to talk about or to prove a larger point, to use them to get people to vote and be angry when they go to the voting box. So, all right. so I, here's a question. 
I 100% support Drag Queen Story Hour. I think, obviously, I'm not a proud boy. So I am anti-proud boy. Uh, Watch, well, I get like a million like death threats. Um, what if it turns out all of our listeners are proud boys? <laughs> We're just now finding out. Um, but here's what I don't get. Why, what is the history behind Drag Queens, Queens reading to children? And why is that so important? Aside from wanting to do it because someone's objecting, which I can understand makes you kind of dig in deeper. So yeah. what is there, is there a history there? Well, there it, is a history it, kind of, of libraries too, being yeah. inclusive to different types of people participating in reading stories to children. And it right. goes, it dates back to, you know, people of color reading children's stories. It dates back, I mean, to, to practices that were discriminatory in the past. By having a reading with children, you are normalizing different types of stories and people that can relate to those stories. And sure. the whole point with drag is that drag is often fun and, and, and bright and happy. And it's all about joy. And it's all about just the, it's, it's, it's the modern day clown. It's just sort of the, the bringing out the best in somebody and having a good time. And the kids then see it. And maybe the kid who would be afraid of liking the little boy of liking pink or the little girl of wanting to play with cars, like they can express themselves in a way that is, a safe space. And that's what Drag Story Hour, I think, does for a lot of children. And that's the point of it. And it also allows parents to then tell, give a signal to the kids, this is okay. You mm -hmm. don't have to be afraid to say these things to me or to yeah. communicate in this way. It's just, it's a really positive, safe space. And that's what Drag Story Hour does. And, but even that, the people who object to it don't give a fuck about that. They only yeah. fuck about making a scene at something because they know, A, Drag queens are going to get on TV. It's going to get coverage. And whatever they do is going to be highly trafficked on the internet. And people then are going to listen to it because it's a drag event. Whereas if it was a, you know, an old man reading books to children in a library who's just a sweet crossing guard and they protest that, no one's going to give a fuck. Although mm -hmm. the man might be suspicious, but no one's going to give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he could be a pervert. Yeah, but no one is going to give a fuck because that's not going to be the story. Right. But with drag, it's a story. And it's it's they use it to... Prove a larger point, whatever point yeah. you want to prove. Elliot, Elliot, what's your stance? It just feels like such a, like, it's like not a, there's nothing to it. Like it's, it, it's drag queens wanting to read stories to kids that are potentially lightly inclusive or there's nothing, nothing bad comes of reading books to kids. Yeah. And, you know, there's, and the idea that they would frame it as some sort of like, I guess grooming, I guess they're treating it like gay teachers or queer teachers, I guess. Yeah. It's just it's it's just so silly and so the argument is holds so little weight that I can't believe it's even a thing, especially in a time when like well, I mean, I guess the one thing that does feel interesting about it is that as much as like as a gay guy, the, the it feels like the culture is so swallowed up in drag now more than ever, and yet you look at this and it's like, well, I guess not because if these people it's can sto point. storm a library, it's yeah. it's just with, I guess, with weapons drawn. <laughs> it's just so stupid because it's like literally somebody reading a book to kids and they want to make a scene. They want to like fuck with children, and that's like yeah. the cre the creepiest part, like ruining. The day for a bunch of kids who are listening to a book to somebody read a book to them. The funny, the funny thing is, as as I often believe, I think if you do take something that, let's say, you pulled every American and said, do do drag should drag queens be reading to children? Um, at, at drag queen story hour, I'm sure lots of people would have, of course, no problem with it because they don't think it's perverted. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but probably some of them do. And I just feel like, as always, I think that the extreme tactics of the right tend to kind of galvanize more support for us when you actually yeah. when you actually say, wait, 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 should we be should we be sol- sol- soldier crawling our way into libraries with weapons, uh, with guns drawn <laughs> right. yeah. from a drag queen? Maybe previously I would have thought this was silly or I, or I, I thought it was unimportant. Maybe this is that's maybe that wild overreaction is is in fact <laughs> right. a testament to the fact that this isn't that big of a deal it reminds me of when they when gay marriage and the whole sort of lgbt equality was coming about and they would bring up um that that mambla nambla oh my nambla. god nambla. Would, that was that was the excuse that they would use to have that conversation about why gay marriages or why gay people are evil is because of that organization and it's it feels like that where they latch yeah. on something so ridiculous yeah, yeah, or or so, saying that so farcical gay yeah. marriage is going to lead to uh, uh, bestiality. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's so silly. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Not even joking. Well, everyone, we are joined today by a very good friend of all three of ours, a super funny comic from New York, longtime friend, longtime friend. Everyone, please welcome to the podcast, Josh Gondelman. Josh, thank you. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so yeah. I'm so thrilled to be here. I Absolutely, have to say, you're one of the nicest. Like I've always thought, this, you're the nicest, sweetest comics. Like sometimes it pisses me off that you're even a comic. <laughs> Yeah, but you like, are you are known so as the goddamn nice, the nicest guy in comedy, and it's very true. There's yeah. no you always are just such a lovely, sweet man. I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, tell us I something think to hate you. Do you have something to hate me? Yeah. Um. Hmm, oh gosh, that's a good question. Well, because normally I keep those pretty close to the vest because I try yeah. not to like really yeah. disseminate those hither and yon. Yeah. But, um, I'm trying to think of like the last worst thing I did. Hmm. Did you ever flick someone off like in in traffic or like, did you ever like intend? I yelled at a guy on a bike recently, an old man. Okay. All right. Good. Good. I will say it was firmly his fault, but I did yell at an old man. He. I was crossing the street with an old woman, which gives me a little cover. Well, sure. I was in the, I was in, oh, wait, hold on. Here, well, before I even get to the, the meat of the story, you'll find a reason to hate me. I was pushing my dog in a stroller. Okay. Oh, <laughs> busy. Yeah. Why? I'm an elderly Why pug. Why a stroller? Why a stroller? And, oh, she, she's, she's old. She's oh, she's old. old. Okay, she's 15. Okay. And so if she has to go as far as like the vet or the groomer, she gets strollered up. Yeah, so I'm walking sure. with a stroller and an old an older woman who lives in the neighborhood saw my dog and she said, you know, my a friend of mine had three dogs that she would push in a stroller and they said she was crazy. And mm-hmm. I said, she's just an animal lover. So Aww. we're chatting as we walk down the street. <laughs> I, lay, I have my dog in a stroller like an asshole. And we, we get the light to go across on my block and an older man comes barreling down a bike lane yeah. and he was kind of uh screened off by like an outdoor bar setup that i so i could we couldn't really see around it so he's coming the wrong way like against which way traffic would be going against the light as well so we were both didn't yeah and he goes hey watch it and he was going like he was kind of zipping but he was going slow enough that i went watch it what you were going like this whole thing i said the whole (laughs) thing before he was out of earshot so he couldn't even go that fast i was like 
you're going against traffic and against the light. And then he gave me a last like, nah, you. <laughs> and I was like, I, he, I like that so you're not, wait, nice wait. You can't even be like succinct in being an asshole. I, I love, know. Well, I, I was going to say, I love how your asshole story was actually you being very, like, yeah. very yeah, fair and decent. And like looking out for the people. <laughs> I actually, I will say this has become a, like a theme in my life because I live in downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are a lot of bike lanes and these fucking scooters, man, oh, they yeah, will yeah. go by, they'll go the wrong, This just like what you described, they go the wrong way. And I've had like, never quite a close call, but I've been, I've been like, oh, I almost stepped out into, into the street and yeah. would have been within a foot or hit by someone going fucking 20 miles an hour. Yeah. Really Why can't they be on the, the sidewalk? I see, that's what I never understood. Because I, I remember when I had a bike for like two weeks here in Los Angeles. Yeah. I realized I'm not that person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I looked up the laws, and I like if there is no traffic on this on the sidewalk, you can ride your bike on the sidewalk if no one's on it. If no one's on it, which to me just seems like a safer place to be for <laughs> sure. bikes and all of those yeah. things. Like, get on the sidewalk. I don't even want to be in the road. Yeah. Yeah. And. I will also say, I think with how many delivery apps are really, like, popping off right now, I feel like the people on those motorized bikes, like just a bike with oh, a yeah, motor attached, are up on the sidewalk a lot. And I, they're, like, they're on, like, outrageous turnaround. Like, their jobs are really tough. Yeah. But it is. And I think people are following their lead, right? If they're like, well, that if the, the Grubhub guy is up on the sidewalk <laughs> making a delivery, oh, I yeah. can be up on the sidewalk in a crowded right. street. And people right. are just, like, in New York, it's, like, it feels like we don't do enough to create safe spaces for the bicyclists and then the bicyclists push the danger down on the pedestrians and then the pedestrians are just looking to fuck up a rat now that's that's where it keeps going down oh my god so josh how long have you been in new york i've been in new york for 11 years now oh wow you're from massachusetts right? right i'm from massachusetts yeah, I, I lived in, I grew up around Boston. I lived in the city and in like closer to the city for mm. my last few years after college. And I came here in, in 2011. And so did I've yeah, been here since 2011. Never lived in Los Angeles. Wow, why did I think you did? Maybe you were just here. Oh, for- how dare you. Well, I remember seeing you here a lot. There was like a, there was a period where you were around a lot. About- yeah, I was, I think like two, 2018, 2019, I was coming out a little bit more. Yeah. And, and it was, I really like visiting. I'm not like an LA hater by any stretch. Yeah. But I do have like a very cozy life in New York as evidenced by our yeah, you are- my little recording nook. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you and yeah. Your, you and your wife Maris is a doll. Just oh, she's doll. the best. Yeah. Just the best. And she she works at the New York Times now. She's like the book she's queen. She's at, at Vulture at oh, New York Magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like the book queen. She's like the yes. literary a literary darling of the actual like literary scene. And she's you guys amazing. And you have that dog Busy who's so mm-hmm. sweet. Such you have a, a very cutie. sweet little Brooklyn life. It's really cute. I'm like really, I'm I feel very like at home and at ease and very like content with with like the the personal with life, life stuff yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel very like how we extremely have a, rare that is to, to it, hear it feels amazing say yeah and it, i mean i think having maris and busy here was like the one thing that kind of kept me 
level during like the mm. deep pandemic yeah to like be with i think it it really strained a lot of people's relationships and with ours i was just like oh thank goodness this like wonderful person is here all day to hang out with yeah that's great the, the, we've, we've oh touched upon this obviously a few times uh on our podcast of course everyone has but like it really was kind of fascinating to see you know i remember the first fucking two weeks checking in on some of my closest friends and they were couple of them were like yeah this is great we're having yeah not not these guys (laughs) these guys are like second tier uh but yeah they were like some of them were like yeah this has been great we're having fun we're playing board games and then some were like we are we you know we love each other but we did not intend to spend this much time (laughs) with each other the assumption was that we would always be working or doing something so like being stuck in a house so what was the pandemic like for you guys it sounds like it was a dream it was we were i I say it was and then i said it was a dream (laughs) it was all a dream (laughs) (laughs) we it was very we both worked pretty steadily throughout it so we didn't really like the couple of times we tried to like escape the city were like a little disastrous um busy mm. the pug does not travel well right. but we yeah. summer 2020 we got an airbnb up like in, like an hour outside the city hour and a half new paltz or whatever and yeah. we rented a car for two weeks and we drove up and we we're just like we're gonna go somewhere where we can go outside and yeah. feel like we're around people all the time and then day four of a 14 day stay the running water stopped working oh, no. and oh, like well we'll try to fix it but it might take the weekend and we were like oh Ooh. man and so we put our dog back in the car she'd already like been so nervous about the new place she was just like puking on carpets oh. and stuff oh, and wow. so we came back <laughs> Because it was very, we've been like, I've been like increasingly getting out a little bit for stand up. We visit our families a bunch. We've gone a couple little vacations. Yeah. Um, but like mostly we've been like very Brooklyn bound, which has been wow. in some ways very cozy. And then in other ways, I do feel like we're both kind of like, oh, but, you know, I, I yeah. this summer I got that extreme Instagram en- envy of like Italy for three weeks. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That you, that's what your life is like. Yeah. I, I literally, I literally was telling someone recently that I, uh, <laughs> at this point, I've muted every human being that I follow on Instagram <laughs> because I would rather, and I only follow news because I would rather read about war than watch my friends go on another vacation. Mm-hmm. It's like there's something I find so depressing. Or watch about... clips of them doing uh, crowd work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You had. Yeah. I mean, you had a busy pandemic though, and that like your special came out. I mean was a result of the yeah yeah i I recorded recorded in kind of like that first burst of like we're going outside again yeah Um, in uh june middle of june 2021 so i had like i had just been fully vaccinated for about four weeks and it took I, i like really like whipped it into shape really quickly yeah um and 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 then recorded it and then it took like a year for it to come out so i tried not to have it be too like i think there were some specials that turned around really quickly that like really hit to the core of like this is what it's like right now like josh johnson's special was like really in it and like it was so sharp and was like i think the first person to get to that in like a proper stand-up special and really Uh like talk through it and mine came out so much later that if i'd been doing like isn't it weird that we that we've all been in lockdown for for (laughs) a year or whatever people would be like what are you talking about? This was this feels like a lifetime ago. So yeah, I yeah. Uh, so I tried to like kind of capture the vibe of like, isn't it nice to be outside well, and not be too specific? I feel yeah. like it captured. I mean, it captured you. You know, I think Thank you. ways because like we know you and like you really are. It's called people pleaser, and you like we alluded to before. You are a nice guy, and that can sometimes be people pleasing and the complications around obsessively being a people pleaser and always make people feel comfortable. So like what. 
like in what ways are you a people pleaser and is it tiring it it gets a little tiring i'm like I really feel like I relate to like sorry uh, or uh, excuse me. I feel like I really relate to like no worries if not email culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it shows up around the edges. Like I feel like I'm an adult. I'm 37. I'm like I have a a life. I'm a, I have a career. I'm married. So it's it's a little less of like um preemptively being like oh, maybe this person would want this and just being like uh I I I brought you a souffle. <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah. And now right. it's much more like um. <laughs> just really trying to like make people feel at ease in a way that I think probably sometimes just makes them anxious and mm-hmm. angry at me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. About so it's a lot that, of like Josh. exclamation points and emails. A lot yeah, of that, Oh like, my God. Extreme, I am such yeah. an exclamation. And I hate it about myself. And mm-hmm. it's, I've started one of, my, one of my favorite things to do is go back and re- like read random emails I sent like 10 years ago. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, it was so funny. But one of the things that I hate about myself is that I send all smiley faces and exclamation points if there's ever well the, any the irony the irony of of this is that like josh is like josh in email form is josh in real life and brent in real life is like seething with rage yes. but he's so <laughs> midwestern and, and over like overcompensatingly polite in email that it's like there is a very distinct split literally literally <laughs> the difference between brent in email in person is like brent being like oh no no worries at all and then in person, Brent is like that fucking asshole. Like, sucker, shaking. Like his face is shaking. The vein in his forehead. Is My like, face is not shaking. Is it shaking? It's shaking. I don't think my face trembles with rage, oh, I, but it's, it's certainly a point to take. Yeah, if you need to do seven thirty, that's fine. <laughs> I do. I do use the phrase zero pressure. No, zero pressure. Oh yeah, me too. Everything that I send because I, I do. I hate that feeling of like the obligation of doing absolutely anything. Yeah, I hate really. it. I hate it. I, I, hate I, it. I think it's respectful to give people the out because like, you know, sometimes yeah. it's like, don't feel like you have like for shows and shit. It's like, I do a lot of shows. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. Come. I would love for you to be here, but literally yeah. no pressure because there will be more. Wait. When yeah. it's friends or people that I'm like, that I like admire, you know, that like maybe not a peer, but like someone that I look up to that I have an acquaintanceship with, I try to be very gentle and polite because I don't like to seem demanding, but I've tried to get better at um, being just like regular, I mm-hmm. guess, in mm-hmm. in like fully professional emails. Like if I'm emailing someone about something I want that I'm like, this person isn't my friend. I don't owe them anything. They don't yeah, feel, have yeah. to feel like they owe me anything. So like I my years ago I, I forget even what the thing was and i was talking through it with my dad and he was like you don't have to tell them it's cool if not they know it's cool if not they'll just say no and <laughs> yeah, I was like, that right, is true right. that's absolutely that, that true. Is very true yeah do you go to your dad for advice a lot i i do yeah he's well he's like a very he's like the normalist person in my life right. <laughs> in that he's like a very like um thoughtful uh he's not like a he's not weird like he's not gonna give me weird advice and he had like a non-entertainment job so he'll Mm -hmm. give me like here's how people are here's how humans are yes here's what a human being would do in this situation so important to have someone who's in the entertainment industry to talk to about entertainment stuff yes they can at least approach it in a rational way sometimes 
where he would be like, if this is my job, my dad is retired now, but he worked in construction for like 40 years. Oh. And he's like, if this was my job, this is how I would have this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that is really helpful to frame things this way. And then occasionally I'll be like, oh, I'm dealing with someone who's like a weird ego monster and that might not work. Yeah, but I appreciate yeah. like knowing how normal people would do it. You also posted a photo on your Instagram of you and your dad. Oh, yeah, you guys yeah. are, are like twins. Yeah. Wow. Is that is that weird at all? It, it's it's becoming increasingly weird. I mean, people a bunch of people so I posted two pictures, right? One was me and him. I when I was in high school, I was in Much Ado About Nothing and I played the role that Michael Keaton played in the movie Ooh, okay. and he was bald and I was like, That's pretty funny. I'll just be bald. That's like funny to be seventeen and just yeah. like shave the middle of your head. Yeah. Which I did. And we and, and that's his hairline that yeah. at the time. And yeah. we took a picture next to each other. And then he I was visiting recently for father's day mother one of the earth days yeah. and he <laughs> came downstairs he like went up to change we were going out to brunch and he came downstairs accidentally dressed exactly the way oh, i was oh dressed my already God. and at this point 20 years later we do have the same hairline and so i yeah. posted both of those pictures of like wow this foretold the future for real <laughs> we now, look I, a lot alike now i have to oh ask he's he is adorable but to a Jew working in construction, that seems like an I was equally to me. surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, Did he um, like carry cinder blocks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. he well, he was a uh, glazer, so he did glass and aluminum like store. Oh, this bitch! Oh. This bitch a glazer too. This bitch. <laughs> <laughs> big, um, you know, like window, big window panes for storefronts and stuff. So oh, those could get pretty heavy, like, and the thickness of it really makes a difference. You don't those think of are expensive. Yeah, like, huge, uh... heavy, expensive, and he, um, he did that for a really long time. He ran, I believe, ran for union leadership at one point under the with the kind of tongue-in-cheek slogan the jew is good for you oh my ah, god right. did he propose nice. for a calendar i always imagine like <laughs> calendars for charity i don't know i never saw john Do i mean like there's not that many there are not that many pictures of him on the internet at all it's like I, they're they're like my parents are aware mm. of online and like they'll read things online but like they they're not they don't have like facebook pages that they're commenting yeah. on pictures like lovely yeah um and so <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's like my, my in-laws, my mother-in-law yes. specifically is like very uh, effusive and sweet online. Yeah. So I'll post something and she'll just be like, this was wonderful. And yeah, this is yeah. so cute. And lots and of someone doesn't, like, I have I have family members who literally have no virtual footprint at all. And mm -hmm. it blows me away. Even like. My mom is like that. It blows yeah, me I'm away because it just feels like how, I mean, you, you would at least have a Facebook page or something like you know, like something, yeah. but people yep. no, like I, I, I mean, these days, I mean, obviously I, I agree with the sentiment, Alan, completely. These, these days, of course, I find it refreshing and I, I wish, I wish you write them each person way, letters. way more people. Congratulations on living. <laughs> <from the life. laughs> Sincerely, uh, Josh, I also wanted to ask you, you, you wrote for, you, you're a very talented writer Thank and you. you've written, you wrote for last week tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, with John Oliver and Desu and Mero. Yeah, I was um, at Jesus and Mero. I, so, yeah, I was at last week tonight. Um, I did the, I started off doing their like social and digital stuff and was a yeah. staff writer for four years. And then I was a writer and producer at Jesus and Mero for the whole time they were at Showtime. That's great. And I was, yeah, thank you. Well, I was a head writer by the end, which is like a very exciting yeah. opportunity yeah. this year. So, obviously, some of the insider information that a lot of people outside of entertainment don't know is that John Oliver is extremely conservative. <laughs> um, <laughs> very yeah. conservative guy. No, what was, it, what was your experience like there? And, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a good time there? It was great. It was really cool. And it was such a like 
clinic in joke writing. Yeah. And, and Tim Carvel, who um, is, is an executive producer and like writes with John um, on the show. Mm. He, they are just so scrupulous about like this joke has to be funny and it has to save the it has to make the point in an accurate way yeah and so it just you like it's it's a a real fine uh needle to thread in a lot of times so i really came away from that being like wow i'm like 50 times better at writing Mm -hmm. jokes that like really hammer home a point and like make something clear than i was before which is like a really uh like a a exciting skill to like have worked on there it's a remarkable it's remarkable to watch because it is still like as as you know the show is so good john is so good and the politics are always just so on point but still at the end of the day it's john talking into camera yes in front of an audience looking at camera talking to camera the most of the show is him just talking alone and it's fun and it's really funny and it's really smart and it's yes exactly and i and i can't (laughs) imagine the the like the structure that it must or I guess the the process and the structure that it must take to write for that kind of that kind of program where somebody is just talking to camera. Yes, there's an audience, but it's like it's just a monologue continuously. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, really, like playing the clips, like where you're so cognizant of like breaking up just John mm-hmm. with like, and let's let's let a news clip or a documentary footage right. clip play out because it is like it really feels like when you're in the studio, you're there with him, and he, you yeah. know, he's not bringing in correspondence. They'll occasionally do those those big kind of pieces to end a longer segment, but it is a lot of of time with john talking directly to the audience and when the when the audience in studio laughs he knows he comes in like basically to time like you know yeah. the, the show can't go longer than it's whatever 28 minutes 30 seconds or whatever mm-hmm. 20 20 and uh and so he'll go if he knows that he's up against it he'll like you'll see him shush so, the audience he's so uh, fast like, no, we don't have time for your we don't have time for your joke. joy we don't wait can i also ask you did you ever get like Writing for that show, it obviously is, is a very liberal show. Did you ever get the impression that like conservatives watched it, or did you feel like you were just kind of preaching oh, yeah, to the question. choir? Oh, that's really interesting. I think what what I, what I think we tried to do was make like a or what I was what my goals were were to make a comedy show that's funny and like explains thing like goes through these stories to people in a way that makes them feel understandable even when yeah. they're complicated stories yeah and so it wasn't necessarily that it was to like change the minds of conservatives because right. i think a lot of conservatives if they watched were watching in like true bad faith yeah to be like oh we're gonna get him here yeah. and so i think it really i the the way that i think people really latched onto it was like oh this is so complicated and i watched this 18 minute piece and i enjoyed it and now i came away with like the world making a little more sense to me Mm -hmm. and and so it wasn't like i never was like i'm gonna this is gonna be the one that fixes everything (laughs) it's like to to make the viewer because i think that's like obviously a comedy show is not going to do that and to to make it for the people that would hate it no matter what is like you're really uh also like there's so much work going into it that it's not a soundbite. It's not a political soundbite. So they almost it's have not. to respect it because it's like it's it's like a it's like a dissertation or something. It's, thought, it's yeah. very thoughtful. It's not. Yeah. And it's not. He's not. He's not a blowhard. He's no. the material is meant to like educate, but it's never it's never like patronizing, and it never pretends to be something that it's not. Which mm-hmm. is always there's always the balance is always just so well done. And I I think one thing that he and Jesus and Mero, I think this is yes. like a real crossover, is when there's somebody that they 
you know, when there's something that they thought was good, they would talk about why it's good. And if there's something that they were like, man, fuck this, they would say that. And there yeah. wasn't like an equivocation of like, um, well, you know, I mean, they're trying their best. They're like, no, it's like Ted Cruz is not trying his best. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I like that about John is that like when he came up against something that he's like, oh, this is like a real pernicious. This person is really pernicious or this institution. He like wouldn't hesitate to say it, which I thought was yeah. Like yeah. really cool. And he still does the smart, you know, I mean, this is like comedy yeah. inside baseball, but he does the smart thing of insulting himself in the process. Oh, yeah, yeah, himself yeah. Look bad. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to kind of shield yourself that way. Yeah. Um, and, and he's really funny. I mean, oh, like, my he's God. a funny guy. Yeah. yeah. So, Elliot, did you want to ask any questions about Sublime, the band? (laughs) (laughs) I just know we know you're a big Sublime fan. (laughs) I love that are my first my the guy I lost my virginity to was a massive Mm. Sublime fan. And I remember I remember faking being a Sublime fan just to have sex with him. Wow. Yeah. You That's did? Beautiful. Yes, because I didn't I didn't care about Sublime. All I knew yeah, was song like about his doll in your about butt. his like his drip his his like drip the song about drip coming out of his Oh butt. yeah, very yeah. gross. Yeah. Oh. Your mushroom tip. Yeah. That's Real gross. Stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, I feel like you are I can't I mean, yes, it was the 90s Sublime were late 90s and early 2000s Sublime was big, but it's so funny because living in California it's so clearly such an, a West Coast thing. Yes. Of course it was on the East Coast. Of course that happened. But I love that you're like a Massachusetts kid who just loves Sublime. <laughs> well, it's, it's, there's one, there's a Sublime moment that is like very central to my life where it's just like my wife doing a bit. I was the, the night of my grandmother's funeral. We were driving around and we kept hearing Caress Me Down by Sublime. And she was just like singing. It's so, she's oh like my so God. funny. And, and so like Sublime, a band that I mostly, make fun of is like so important to my life at this yeah. point which is like <laughs> yeah, a yeah. weird curse um but it is because I, I have it, my friends i have friends in massachusetts are from from the east coast that like sublime that are like yeah this is a cool band their fans are a little goofy yeah. um no offense alan to your your former power <laughs> oh, <no, trust> um, <laughs> but the but on the west coast people are like no sublime is like oh, this is beatles. what good music is yes yeah. <laughs> this is the beatles this is Springsteen. Yes. this is yes. yeah it's the Springsteen of Long Beach. It really well, they, is. They're, 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 no, they're no Sonique, but I, 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 do, I do appreciate their sound. Josh Gondelman, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Where can people find you online and where can people watch your special? Oh, my gosh. I'm at Josh Gondelman on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm sure I'll cave to TikTok eventually. <laughs> I haven't yet. I feel legally too old for it, Me but too. I'm, yeah. I'm going to get there eventually. Um, and then my special is it's streaming wherever you can rent or purchase stuff. So it's Apple TV, YouTube, yeah. awesome. um, Amazon, Vimeo worldwide, if you're a worldwide Ooh, listener. Oh, like, love a Vimeo. Yeah, love yeah, a Vimeo. Yeah. They make it so easy. And then I think eventually it'll the paywall will be down. But for now, for the time being, it's Well, it's let us know when the paywall is down, Josh. I will. Thanks for doing the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure. And another thing. So if you guys had to choose... If you were forced to play a professional sport, you know, across the board, one of these yeah. big sports, what what sport would you wait, choose wait, wait, to wait, play? Wait. Before we even get into ours, because, I mean, I will say Brent and I chose <laughs> standard things that people would respond when asked this question. Oh, if you could play a sport, what would you play? You, Elliot, of course, I need you to lead with what you put because I laughed immediately. I put Nukem. Which is so I don't even know what that is. Nobody knows what that is. <laughs> I'm. I don't like volleyball. Volleyball is like, I don't. 
like I'm I don't like the idea of use I just hate volleyball my wrists and getting it like lining your body up to I hate it but I love Nukem Nukem <laughs> is basically volleyball with catching oh okay <laughs> wait so volleyball for like retirement homes is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah I love I love Nukem and I did I didn't ever knew how to spell it but it's actually spelled N E W what it was which is how long have you known what Nukem is I used to play it in camp at like day camp at summer camp wait this is actually interesting and I I'm I'm gonna be honest with you I used to go to the park in New York and I would always see certain people playing volleyball. Yeah. What I deemed to be the wrong way. And I almost felt bad because I would watch these people playing and I'm like, they don't know what the game, they don't know what the game is. Would they is. catch the ball? They would catch the ball and like They're throw it Nukem back. Then, I guess. So That's now Nukem. I just realized they did know they were just playing another version of volleyball. And now I think- Yeah, because not everybody wants to like line their bodies up to like hit with, I, like it just doesn't make sense to me. The idea of like- There's something using satisfying your wrists about hitting it? Like, yeah, I like volleyball. Like this. No, no, I, I like hitting it, but I don't want to hit, I don't want to have to catch it with my wrists and hit it back. I want to catch it with my hands and then throw it. And then throw it back like a baseball. Yeah, or or spike it, you know. Or spike it how? <laughs> how like, like you hit it down or you... Yeah, because you. I think the rule is you can only like throw it a certain number of times before you have to throw you it over like the net. You look like you would be a good spiker. Yeah, I think I would be a good spiker. <laughs> well, God willing, if any Nukem teams, any traveling Nukem teams need some new spikers, they can contact Elliot Wexler Glazer. That's right. What about you? com slash spread the legs. Alan, go ahead. No, I... I would not... I, that was a hard question because I wanted to know what the laziest sport was possible. Yeah. And, and, well, see, golf, but then golf is like... I played golf before. My grandma was a professional golf player, actually. Oh. And I, I remember being always annoyed by golf because it's hot out and you have to be outside. Golf sucks. And it's a boring. <laughs> yeah. it's like, it does suck. I golf, played it in high school. I never, I, and I don't I mean, like it is it. a lazy person like sport, I guess. But And then I, they, I, I found this list that, that someone ranked the top five laziest sports. And golf is number two. But number one is archery, which, again, is annoying <laughs> to me. But it reminds me that Academy Award-winning actress That's Gina right. Davis once almost qualified for the Olymp- archer. US, U.S. Olympic archery yeah. team or whatever. Yeah, she was like one under or something, yeah. which shows that maybe I do have sports in my future. Like maybe I could rise to being – but I don't think I, – I only played one sport in high school, and it was bowling for one season. I didn't even finish the season. And because I sucked at it and I hated it and it was it was bad. I think darts, I think darts I would be good at because darts is like usually darts. Yeah, because darts is in a bar setting and you can like have you don't drink. You read at bars. I know, but like bring your book to your dart. But I love a bar. I love a bar because it's relaxing and you have darts. You can just throw things and it's well, it's actually, but it's but it's fun to play to go bowling with you because you have you bowl the way I've never seen any other human bowl which is you take the ball you walk up you walk up to the lane and you you toss the ball forward yeah. with two hands not rolling oh. it you yeah. throw it onto the lane and then oh, hopefully wow. it, it goes down the lane. Sure. Yeah. It's the okay. funniest thing yeah. I've ever seen. That is Everyone great. has a great time. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah, you're playing. You're playing. You're bowling like you're playing. Like you're doing. Um, Nukem bowling. Nuke, nuke, <laughs> yeah, Nukem bowling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what, Brad, what about you? And yeah. needless to say, guys, I would be a baseball player. I 
been, I've been watching a lot of baseball this season. I you, baseball is so deceptively difficult where it looks, I should say it looks really easy. And it's obviously mm-hmm. everyone knows it's ex- extremely difficult to hit a fastball. Yeah. But I still, even, even though I know that I still keep falling into that, like, you know what, what if I'm the first 38 year old <laughs> to try out for the Dodgers and walk on the team. <laughs> you know what? Cool. I've always said this, that like baseball players, and this is controversial because people come at me and they say basketball players, but I stand by this. Baseball players are the most attractive. Oh, without, oh, a, without a doubt. Have they you have, seen Mookie Betts? Yeah, yes, I have. But they have the best legs. Oh, the the best. Best oh give, me a, give me a break. I mean, no, are, am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, I don't care about nope. legs. You're not wrong. You don't legs. care about legs? I care uh, about the I realized recently that it's like it's not just like legs, it's like the trunk. I like a yes, trunk. Sure. <laughs> the, the you, know, you know in a situation no, they needed to be able to like lift you up and like protect you, a baseball player would. Is a basketball player gonna lift you up? Probably, but they're gonna get hurt doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for very sure. Lanky. Yeah, yeah, very lanky. I I think I would imagine Brent would you'd be more into basketball players. Like petite ones, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like tall guys. There are not. I mean, Muggsy Bogues, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who that is. Muggsy Bogues was like five seven or something. (laughs) He played when we were in middle school, I think. And I think he's like the shortest guy who's played ever since. You like jockeys? Uh, no, I don't. Because they're tiny and like they could. I mean, I imagine if like they bought them, you could like spin them around like a dreidel. What would your aunt say? Right, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? I'm surprised you forgot to tell everyone about your Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash you're making it worse. You got it. You got to bring it up earlier in the podcast. Not everyone listens this late. <laughs> my, my Aunt Joanne would probably say, yeah, John Oliver's fine, but I love John Stewart. Oh, he's perfect. <laughs> he's a Jewish heartthrob for these he women. He is. He's handsome. How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I would tell you what sport I would play, but it would be inappropriate. <laughs> That's Love great. them both. Love them both. <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, go sign up for the Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon. Elliot's showing his titties there. Um, Elliot, Elliot, do you want to sign us off? Everyone show up, sign up for the Patreon. Elliot, go ahead. Go ahead, Elliot. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you hesitated. I wanted to eat, tease out the hesitation you have because Ellie doesn't like our long rambling crass goodbyes. Keep it all in. He just goes, have a good weekend. <laughs> As if they're listening on Friday. 